Well, today we are wrapping up uh, our series called From This Day Forward, and I'm so, so excited for this morning. I'm so excited for this series. This series has all been about this idea of making sure that in the relationships that matter most, dating relationships, uh, uh, marriages, families, parenting, in, in just all of those relationships that are kind of the most important ones to us, what does it look like to make sure that we're living out biblical principles in it to make sure that they're lasting, that we're in it for the long haul, for the, for the, the hard journey? And uh, I hope you figured out during this series that one of sort of the uh, interwoven themes in all of this is this idea that in every relationship, make sure you hear this, you can always have a fresh start. In every relationship, no matter where you are, you always have the opportunity that, as Scripture tells us, that His mercies are new each morning. That each morning is an opportunity to choose to be a more Christ-centered family, to be a more Christ-centered couple. And uh, I just really hope that you guys have figured that out. This morning, I'm really excited because we're going to talk... Uh, about not giving up, and we're going to talk about how it's a long haul of a journey. And uh, I'm really excited because there's someone who's going to help me uh, teach this morning, and I'll invite them up in a moment. But first, uh, they couldn't be here today, but two of my favorite people are Sue and Steve Weiss. Uh, if you've ever met them, uh, you're a better person for it. Uh, they just have this spirit about them, and they've been married for 53 years. And uh, I asked if I could, you know, do a little video with them and ask them some questions about um, what have been some of their tips and secrets to uh, staying in love, uh, keeping their marriage and their family centered on Christ. So check out this video real quick, uh, and I hope you guys will be blessed by it. We are Steve and Sue Buys, and we have now been married 53 years. We've been married 53 years, but we've been, we've known each other a lot longer than that. We first met when I was in the sixth grade and he was in the seventh grade. Uh, We were actually standing at the uh, school water fountain and he asked uh, a friend of his who I was. And this friend and I went to the same church. And so he told Steve my name and I guess it's history from then on. Give your spouse space. Uh, you can't make your spouse into you. <laughs> and uh, she likes things, and I like things. And give your spouse space, time to do those things that they like to do, in addition to the things that you do together. So that would be my advice. Uh, I think having a give and take relationship uh, has been very helpful. Uh, sharing our happenings with one another, not keeping secrets. Uh, that can get you in trouble. Um, I think showing a united front once the children start coming along, uh, I think that's very important, not to contradict one another with uh, discipline and that type of thing in front of the, in front of the children. Um, and uh, just doing things together. Uh, you can have, you know, you can do your own things, but you can't do everything separately. You've got to have uh, togetherness there. At one point, Steve was uh, was sick, and he went through uh, quite a period of time when um, you know, he was in the hospital and, and uh, he was in bed at home for a while. And I was about eight months pregnant, and uh, so a lot of things at that time fell on my shoulder. But I think I grew closer to God at that time, uh, and realized that. Uh, I could not have gone through that without his help. Um, 
one of the habits that we've developed over the years was, was church attendance. Uh, out of 52 weeks of the year, we're probably here 49 weeks. And so uh, I would encourage everybody to just practice uh, church attendance. Uh, tithing. My wife had a harder, harder time with that than I did. I started tithing when I was about 10. And uh, when we got married, she had a little trouble with that, but she finally came on board. <laughs> and uh, God has your back. Uh, you cannot give God. And uh, we are school teachers, so we're not rich. <laughs> and But God has met our needs and many of our wants because uh, he does have your back. And there's so many things that he's supplied when we didn't have the resources to supply them, we supplied them for us. I always found before I came on board 100% that if I used the church money for something else, I would end up having to take one of my kids to the doctor and get a prescription filled. And the money went, even if it didn't go to the church, I had to come up with the money for something else. And so that was a good learning experience for me. Um, a lot of things that happen in marriage are uh, friction comes as a result of finances. And I would just recommend that uh, people not overextend their finances. Marriage is a journey. It's not always smooth. There are lots of ups and downs. But the ups far outweigh the downs. I love, love, love that. And it's so funny, you know, they talk about how they usually only miss like, you know, a handful of Sundays and this just happens to be um, one of them. But I love, love, love what they talked about that marriage is a journey full of ups and downs, that there is um, just beautiful, rich things and there are difficult things, but don't, you know, let the, the terrible things kind of outweigh those. So, hey, this morning, like I said, I'm so excited. Would you guys welcome my wife, Hunter, is going to help me uh, bring the message this morning. Hello. We're on. He didn't want you guys to hear me. It's all good. <laughs> we are on. Uh, well, this morning I am so excited. You know, I, I feel like a lot of times um, you guys get to hear stories about her. I'm sure some of you still are convinced that this is just a model that I paid. And I can promise you, I didn't put up any pictures, but I have wedding photos. And I'm not a weird, creepy person who, you know, asks someone to take wedding photos with me who uh, we didn't really get married. But, um, Hunter and I have been married for uh, almost four years, which is so fun and crazy, and uh, life has came at us fast in many ways, and we're going to share a little bit about some of those sort of things, um, but it's crazy to think, you know, I moved to Kokomo about five years ago and uh, got engaged not long after that, and then we got married, and we bought a house and had a baby, and now we're going to have another baby, and you know, I went from, I got the demotion from associate pastor to senior pastor, and so a lot has changed uh, early on in our marriage, and um this morning, what we want to talk about is not as experts, but just as friends who have experienced different things in their own lives, um, and that maybe you guys can relate to, uh, just some of the ways that we've realized how God has helped us um, commit to the journey and, and beginning each day trying to have a fresh start. And we want to talk about 
uh, some of that. But um, before we do, you know, a lot of people don't know the story about how Hunter and I met. And so I want to kind of let everyone know that. And we have a few pictures. We actually met uh, being in the figure skating uh, circuit. If you've got a couple pictures that are going to come up. Um, we committed together. Uh, we competed together. Are they up there? No? No, maybe not. They didn't come? Didn't get saved? Sad. I had some great photos that I was going to show you guys of us in leotards. Forget that. Hunter, why don't you tell them how we really met? Because it's, it's, uh, and maybe tell them just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, so I think I kind of wore the pants and how we really met and how we started dating. Is that right? Um, I guess. <laughs> what does that mean? I think we were both wearing pants that day. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah, we were. Um, so Aaron and I met at a youth conference in Anderson. So I was a senior at Anderson, and Aaron had graduated a few years before that. But he came down to meet um, his niece, now our niece, Cora. Um, his brother, JJ, and I worked together at a church there in Anderson. And um, since Cora was born and this conference was happening, I kind of took the lead on the weekend. And JJ decided that he needed to play matchmaker. Maybe the nicest thing he's ever done. Very true. <laughs> Shout out to JJ. Um, but he thought I needed a lot of help carrying a bunch of stuff or things like that. So I had like a packet of papers, and that's really it that I needed help with. But Aaron came to help me at registration, and uh, we stood outside, and it was pretty cold for quite a while, chatting and felt like there was some sparks. We had met once, well, we had met twice before then. We met once in Colorado at a um, youth retreat, and then we met that morning for a meeting. So he's had a couple opportunities now. I mean, like, there's been some sparks, right? So I'm thinking by the end of this conversation that Aaron's going to ask for my number. He lives in Michigan. I'm in Anderson. There's not going to be like this continued follow-up. No. You didn't ask for my number. To be fair, I believe that when you're involved in youth ministry, your focus should be wholly on Jesus. And here's the thing. There weren't any you know, pictures. you have to have some self-awareness and realize that when you got all this going on, you don't want to distract someone. You don't want to uh, cause lustful thoughts or anything like that. You know, at that time, my mustache was much lighter, so I was looking really good. And um, so it didn't feel like it was appropriate timing. There were no kids around, actually, during that conversation. I feel like I should say that. Um, but Aaron decided that he was going to take action and he was going to follow me on Twitter. So he kept tweeting at me, which Twitter at the time let you only have 140 characters to write to someone. So he kept tweeting at me. This probably went on for like two weeks. So finally I sent him a message and said, if you'd like more than 140 characters, here's my number. (laughs) She's obviously just very uh, gentle and not... Outspoken. I'm a little sassy. It's okay. okay. Someone's got to put up with Aaron a little bit, right? Very, 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 very true. Um, so wh- one, one more question, Hunter, before you kind of tell, uh, tell us a little bit more about what we're talking about this morning. Um, what is, when, when you first saw me, was it um, my unkept hair that attracted you or the, the frilly beard? Or was it um, the way my pants were fitting? You looked or- really good. I won't lie, I kind of had a thing for hairy guys anyways. I like the beard, so he better never get rid of it. He also yes. looks really scary without the beard, I have to admit. Yes. He's accidentally, like, made his, uh, what is that, his trimmer, like, really short at times, and I'm like, Any other guy accidentally done that? You, you turned the so guard like, down? Um, not my favorite look, but 
I have to admit, I'm sure it's not shocking that I was really attracted to your personality. I know no one really likes to hear that, but I think nice guys always win. So there you go. And we talked about SpongeBob a lot in that first yes. month. So yes. if you can also get a gist of my personality, then we're kind of kids at heart. Very much so. So yeah, that's, that's how it all started. And uh, here we are, kind of crazy. Absolutely. Um, so today we're going to talk about not giving up and committing to one, en- one another in the journey. And the journey is long, um, and it's not always easy. We're going to talk about some of that. Um, we don't love each other. Just kidding. We love each other. <laughs> we don't like each other every day. We love each other every day. Um, but God gives us little tips and tricks along the way that we've picked up and just want to share. Um, so we're going to start in Philippians, and it's uh, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Um, It says, not that I have already obtained all this or that I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. I love that. Um, So if you've been following along in the journals, if you haven't got a journal yet, um, each week, there's, there's sort of a verse that is kind of the theme verse of the week. It's a verse to maybe memorize, and uh, they have this cool little picture. I didn't do those, by the way. I wish I could do something really cool like that. Um, but that's the verse uh, for this week, this idea that we, um, you know, Paul is talking about there, this idea that in our relationship with Christ, in our ministry, that we never stop, that we always continue to press forward and look at the goal. And the truth is, even in our relationships, in our marriage, when we have children, don't lose focus, don't lose sight of the goal. That, that the goal in all of it is that the gifts of marriage, the gifts of uh, children, the gifts of family, of those relationships that matter most, all of them have been a gift that has, has been given to us to best continue on to press towards that goal, which is a relationship with Christ and eventually will be eternity with him. And so don't miss that. So this morning, we're going to talk about some ways, and this is not an exhaustive list. There could be so many other ways. Some of you guys could leave this and be like, man, these guys are idiots. They haven't been a part of this whole marriage thing very long. But here are a few um, ways that we found that we believe could be life-changing for you in your marriage, uh, in your family, if you chose to make some of these commitments. You know, as uh, every once in a while, I don't know if God speaks to you this way, but sometimes he talks about, yeah, I hear different words. Whether it's, I hear it on TV, I read it in the news, I hear different words. And one of the words that lately has just kind of struck me that I think God has been trying to remind me of is resiliency. This idea that resiliency is this uh, not giving up when things get difficult. To keep pressing on, to learn uh, quickly from your failures and not let those define you. And, and a lot of commitment has to do with this idea of becoming resilient. To not allow storms failures, uh, moments of, of pain, moments of weakness to define those relationships. So here's the first thing, here's the first challenge that we have for you, is to commit to being equal partners. Commit to being equal partners. And, and what I mean by that is that you are a team, that it's not that one is carrying all the load and the other is just kind of following behind, that there may be moments where there's a little bit of give and take, but you are a equal uh, team, you have your stockholders in this that you're not rooting against each other. And in particular, here's a big piece: fight for each other, not just with each other. You know, oftentimes we say some of the worst. I'll be honest, probably some of the worst things I've ever said in my life, I've said to my wife, which I feel really terrible about saying that. 
Like, I wish that I could I've say that, too. like, the, what's that? I've done it, too. Yeah, she's done it, too. Um, it's true, though, right? And probably a lot of us could say the same things. You know, oftentimes the worst things we've ever said are not to total strangers, are not to our enemies. They're to the people that we deeply love the most. Life is so difficult that we don't need to fight against each other. Rather, we need to fight for each other. We need to be able to have each other's back. Um, I love in the book of Ecclesiastes, if you have uh, your Bible, you can open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's in uh, the Old Testament. Uh, And it just says this. It says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one of them can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though you may be overpowered, two can can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I love, love, love the concepts, the wisdom that we find there. That there totally is that truth that probably many of you have experienced before. That while you're equal partners, there are times where one of us may fall down and the other may need to, to shoulder a little bit more of the load. That sometimes one of us may be able to help the other one when they're down. Uh, to be honest, kind of be really real with you guys, Hunter does a far better job at sensing when I'm down and helping pick me up than I do for her. Uh, there's so many times where she says an encouraging word to me. She speaks truth and love to me uh, when I need it. When I want to just be like, oh, life is terrible and I'm so down. Um, she gives encouragement. She gives love and she gives wisdom to me. But I love the last part of that verse where it talks about how a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's this representation that it's not just us in our lives. Uh, that, it's, that if it's just like that, we're easily going to be separated. We're easily going to be broken when uh, life comes at us hard. And so it's this beautiful representation that our lives should be deeply in, in, entangled, deeply bound together by Christ. In Colossians, it talks about how uh, we should bind ourselves together in love. And we find out in First John that God is love. So I would deeply hope that in your marriages, that in your families, that you would bind yourselves together in love that you would commit to being equal partners, and that you would fight for each other, not just with each other. Yesterday, Hunter and I uh, were in Muncie at a wedding. I was the, um, the speaker for it, or I was the officiant for it, and uh, it was one of her childhood neighbors. And, uh, you know, it's always fun. One of my favorite parts of a wedding is when they do the vows, because there's this beautiful moment where you're promising uh, these things. And it's interesting, you know, that the, the title of this series is From This Day Forward, you know, this idea that from now on, this is how things will be. And many of you maybe can remember taking vows, and you remember saying things like, you know, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse. And all of those, I think when you're saying them, you're, at least in my mind, you're sort of picturing like being older, right, on deathbeds. And uh, Hunter learned very quickly that um, some of her vows would come into play really quickly. Do you want to tell him about kind of our first month of our marriage? It was really fun, and that's a lie. I do have to give Aaron a hard time because I told him when I was looking through all these notes that I basically felt like he wanted me to come up here and talk about his colon today. Yes. That is the main part of the service. (laughs) Um, But Aaron actually got really sick about two weeks into our marriage. We were at, again, another youth conference. Uh, we were at State Youth Convention. Um, maybe some of your kiddos were there, but Aaron got really sick, and um, he just looked awful. He felt awful. We, like, removed all the kids from his room, and um, he was pretty down and out. So he 
ended up taking Imodium, which was a bad idea because he got more sick. So he started feeling better. Um, we came home, then he felt worse, and they sent us to the ER because they thought maybe he had appendicitis. And we left there um, with two antibiotics, and Aaron's still feeling terrible. So he started feeling a little better, and then about two weeks later, um, he got really, really sick. He was more sick than he was before. We're kind of wondering what's going on. You know, is it a virus? Did he have some sort of bacterial infection? And I told him, I was like, you know, I kind of wonder if you have something called C. diff because you're just on these antibiotics. And Aaron's like, yeah, I don't know. Also, I should tell you, you should pity him at least a little bit because he got sick the second time the day before Thanksgiving. Mm. So he was really not digging our first Thanksgiving as a married couple either. And my grandma's suit is really good, so he missed out. Um, But Aaron, long story short, um, he put off going to the doctor, and he finally went. And um, he (laughs) – we had a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, We got to bring stuff home for an at-home stool sample. Mm. Good times. And I got to do that. (laughs) Will I will ask- never look at a spork the same. <laughs> Aaron told me that his uh, stool looked like Taco Bell hot sauce, and I was like, that's not normal, so we probably should get that checked out. Um, and he called me a couple days later, and he said, I have good news. I have C. diff. And I cried, and I said, that's really not good news. He's like, well, I thought you'd be happy they figured out what's wrong with me. And C. diff is kind of dangerous. It makes, means that your colon is inflamed. Um, it can be recurrent, so um, which you don't want that to happen at all. So he was tired of being sick. I felt bad that he was still sick. Um, so my dad made a joke that I put him on um, the Bella Caroli's home health care plan. Aaron had, like, alarms for taking probiotics. He didn't drink coffee for, like, over a month. And he did get better, and he did not get C. diff again. Um, but actually on New Year's Eve, he actually did get sick again, but it was food poisoning. So we had just like a series of unfortunate events from the middle of October to the end of 2014. Um, and those were rough times. We also had like very, very, very little money then. Um, so those were, those were some good days, but yeah, we definitely learned about, um, committing to serve to one another one another, and um, we learned a lot about in sickness and in health. Um, I was pretty worried about you with good reasoning. And Aaron's not a very fun, sick person, so. Um. <laughs> can, I, can I real quick make a confession? Okay, this is, this is terrible, but you all probably understand the same thing. So there's part of me uh, as a kid, there were multiple times where, you know, I kind of had that terrible prayer where I said, all right, God, please just don't let me die and don't let, like, I want you to come back so bad, like, that's going to be the greatest thing. But there's honestly part of me that was like, God, like, I just really would love to get married and have sex. I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm just being a human here, okay? And I honestly thought that I maybe had done something wrong and God was taking me right afterwards. Like, listen, I let you go here. Now you're going to die. So be careful what you pray for, kids, okay? Just be careful. Okay, go on, baby. And I, and I wouldn't let you touch me when yes. you were sick either. That was gross. I'd seen too much. So, we had a lot of, uh, you saw me in like gowns. There was a lot of cute romantic things. It was rough. It was pretty rough. Um, and then someone said to us, because we got pregnant not super long after that, less than a year after that, 
And someone was like, well, all dignity that you've ever had will go out the door when, you, when he watches you give birth. And, like, the dignity has gone. I mean, C. Diff really did that for us. So <laughs> it's been gone. There's nothing to be lost. Mm-mm. But we survived. <laughs> we made it. Um, but, yes, so in sickness and in health, we've been making it work. Um, and Aaron does a great job. He said, you know, that I do a better job of encouraging him when he's down, but Aaron really does a great job of just really, um, encouraging me. And I can tell you that he's the same person, um, up here and at home. And I really appreciate that about him. He's a man of great character and, um, does a lot to seek out good wisdom. And he brings a lot of that to our home too. Um, so I really do feel like it's a lot of give and take and, uh, we like to laugh a lot and, Aaron's pretty funny, but I will admit I'm kind of funny, too, because I have to try to make him laugh, and he has a pretty good sense of humor. So we have a lot of fun together. Um, but So we want to talk about committing to serve and submit to one another. And I feel like this can kind of be a sensitive subject, because when you read in the Bible, um, Aaron's going to talk a little more about that portion, but it talks about wives submitting to their husbands. Um, and we don't like to go on beyond that. It's like we feel like... Um, Submitting as a woman can seem a little demeaning or something along those lines. Um, But really what it says in Ephesians 5.21 is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So if you want to continue, Aaron, you can read the rest of that verse and kind of delve a little further in there. Yeah, there's, you know, I think there's a lot of misconception sometimes on roles in uh, marriage, in uh, especially from a biblical standpoint. And, you know, I've heard lots of people, you know, whether it's, uh, being truthful or just being funny where it's like, <laughs> wives have to submit to their husbands. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's interesting how a lot of times when I hear in particular men, you know, kind of pluck that out of the verse, they kind of pluck that out and they don't go from the entire context. So, you know, if we, if we go through the context of Ephesians 5, uh, uh, chapter 5, in verse 21, it begins all of this um, talking. And I'm not, not all of it's going to be up on the screen, so you can go and you can study it on your own later. But, you know, it starts off, as you saw a moment ago, with just submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That, that, that before you get into any of the uniqueness, because while we've already talked about that God has created us to be equal partners, there is uh, uniqueness in the roles of men and women, in the roles of a husband and a wife, of a mother and a father. And that those are important to understand the nuances and the uniquenesses of them. Those are not supposed to be a thing where it pigeonholes to say, you do this, I do this, you don't do this, I don't do this. That, that the whole idea was, all of it was to help create a healthier home that helps to serve the Lord. And it all starts with this idea that, that as Jesus said, that he did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve. That he is our example so that even in the relationships that matter most, we submit to one another, we serve to one another out of reverence for Christ. But then again, remember, it says this. And again, submit is such like a, it's like a dirty word these days, right? Like no one wants to say like, mm, no man's going to, I'm not going to submit to no man. But you have to understand the context of the partnership that you delve into in marriage. So it says, wives, submit to your husbands as, uh, as you do to the Lord. That part of your worship is, is submitting to that. And it then goes on and talks about how the husband is the head of the house as Christ is the head of the church and his body for which he's Savior. Now the church submits to Christ. So wives should submit to their husbands and everything. But then here's the thing. So if we just stop there, it's very easy to be like, well, wow, that's a raw deal for the women. Like you just have to submit to your husband. But here's what it says for husbands. And men, honestly, 
Like, sometimes there have been men, and I'll just say this. Uh, any man who ever uses Scripture to belittle, control, abuse, they're a coward. They're unbiblical, and they're just completely off base. Because if you go on, this is what it says. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and present to her, her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hates their own body. Think about that. Your role as the husband is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. I mean, Christ gave up his entire self. He died on a cross for us. And so if you think about it, really, we got the raw deal here. I'm just going to be honest. When you, when you come back to it, you realize that the entirety of a biblical framework for marriage is this idea that you are trying to serve one another. That it's not this hierarchical sort of thing where it's like, I get to tell you everything to do. I get to tell you what to wear. I get to tell you what to cook. No. That the entirety of it is just this idea that we are to mutually submit to one another And that, yes, maybe there is a piece where, as the head of the household, that I do think that as we look even at science, that there is statistically a better chance for, uh, and and dads, hear this, there's a better chance that if you have children, that if the father of the home, the male in the home, is deeply committed to church and to Christ, that there's a higher statistical likelihood that the child will catch that faith and live it out themselves. That does not diminish the role of of, of the mother at all. But it says that there's a big deal about how children look to a father figure. And so I think when, when Paul talks about that, it's this understanding that, yes, in some ways, sometimes the buck stops here. That sometimes, that when we have a deep, hard decision, that of course we consult with one another. Of course we have equal stakes in what we're doing. But there may come a point where sometimes she even may look and say, I want you to make the call at the end of this. Because sometimes there's decisions that have to be made, I think, that there's not always a win. And men, I think sometimes a part of being the man is making the decision and taking the responsibility for that. To take away any of the repercussions in it that your wife may face. And so that, I believe, is some of the biblical framework of what does it look like to submit to one another, to serve one another. Not to lord over to one another, but again, to come back to the fact that we're a team. You know, one of the fun things is, is that in our marriage, the roles of our marriage at certain points have changed. There has been times where I have been spiritually dry, and she has been the one that has been leading us in prayer. She has been the one um, making sure that our family is getting uh, extra fed in that way. There have been times where she's cooking most of the meals, and there's been times where I've been cooking most of the meals. So realize that marriage is a give and take and here's the, here's the beauty of it, too. Your children will see how you treat your spouse. The cues that they take into their marriage will be taken from what they see in your home. And so my hope and prayer is that they see equal partners who deeply love each other, that value each other, that see um, a, 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 a mother and a father who was, was created in the image of God equally, equally valued, equally loved, with equal gifts, are working together because they will take that into their marriage. Now, here's, here's a cry of my heart that I 
Um, I'll confess to you guys, this is something that I say, um, and a lot of times I don't feel like I do this well. But here's the challenge to us, is to commit to give those you love the most the best, not the rest. Commit to give those you love the most the best, not the rest. I think it's really difficult sometimes how culture will um, convict us to just constantly be working hard, take the overtime, make sure that you are, are going on all these big vacations, doing all these things. And oftentimes I think what can happen is that uh, in the name of working hard and giving our family everything, uh, in the name of doing all the things that we want to do, because let's be honest, we live in a culture that is very me-centered, that's very make sure that you get to do everything that you want to do. What can end up happening is sometimes we end up giving the people that we love the most our leftovers. Now, I'm going to be honest. I actually like to eat leftovers. I'll be really honest. I love going to a restaurant where you know you're going to have leftovers because then you don't have to cook later. But the reality is everyone knows that when you reheat food, when you eat leftovers, it's never as good as the original. And in our lives, how sad is it that sometimes we end up giving the people that we love the most, our children, our spouses, our, our, our family in general, our, our, even our closest friends, we sometimes give them the leftovers. Sometimes, can we be really honest? Here, here might be one that hurts big time. I think sometimes we even give Christ our leftovers. You know, sometimes we say, I will spend time with Christ if I have time, if there's nothing else going on. Sometimes we say, I will invest in going on a date night with my spouse if I have time. My challenge to us is that we would honor them with the best. Because the reality is, guess what? The people who will be at your bedside. I've I've been at multiple bedsides when people are passing. It's a very sacred and holy moment. But you know what I found? I've never been at the bedside where someone's boss is there. Never been at the bedside where uh, someone's golf buddy is there. Someone's friend who they, you know, always went shopping with. You know who I see there? I see children. I see grandchildren, I see spouses, I see parents, I see siblings. Give them the best. You know, in Psalm 37, 5, it just says this. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. You know, start with that in your life. Start with making sure that you're giving God the very best, not just the leftovers. But also, here's the thing. An act of worship, I believe, is to make sure that you're taking care of your household. To make sure that you're giving your children and your spouse the best. Because again, throughout scripture we find that God uses the example that he again is, is, the, bride, is the groom. And that the church, we are the bride. That he is the father and we are the children. And so if you want to have a Christ-centered home, if you want a spouse to love Christ, if you want uh, children to love Christ, what sort of representation do you give them to who God is as a groom, as a husband, and as a father to them, if their earthly father, their earthly mother is never around, gives them the leftovers. Make sure that you're honoring them by giving them the rest. You know, we talk about here sometimes that when it comes to children in particular, um, that it's just a phase. You know, we hear that oftentimes in the negative thing. It's just a phase. You know, they'll get past it. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest, we really take that in because we have... A, a toddler. We went to Cracker Barrel yesterday for breakfast. What a stupid idea that was. We brought him some peanut butter toast that he likes to call butters. Hunter cut it up uh, for him. It broke. It broke. 
We cut it every morning for him, but in that moment, to him, it was broken. But here's the thing. While it is just a phase, don't miss it. Every season of life has some beauty, it has some trials, but don't miss it. You know, here, here are just some statistics to share with you, especially about if you are raising kids or even if you're a grandparent. Because let's be honest, one of the beauties of people living longer is that grandparents, you have a probably an arguably a greater chance to impact your, your grandchildren for Christ than any generation ever has before because you're living longer and you're having more of an opportunity. So here's just some statistics. So on average, from a time that a child is born till when they'll graduate from high school, they'll in theory leave the home. 936 weeks. Now that sounds like a lot, but imagine this. By the time that your kiddo goes to kindergarten, there'll be 780 weeks left at home with them. By the time that they're done with elementary school, 468. And by the time they start high school, 312 weeks. The time flies so quickly. And so make sure that in every season that you're going through, in every phase that you're there, that you are present and you don't miss it. You don't get to go back in time for those. And you know what? In the same way in your marriage, you don't get to go back in time for when you're newlyweds. So make the most of it. You don't get to go back in time when you're basically going through war and you're raising like toddlers. So enjoy the moments of blessing in those. Hunter, what, what would you say about just some of that? Well, Cracker Barrel was very interesting yesterday, I will say that. I did take Gideon to the parking lot because of his broke-did toast. Um, but I had to remind myself when we were out there and we had a moment um, for him to calm down, to look at him and him to calm down. And um, he needed his mommy because his broke-did toast was very upsetting. Um, but don't let the blessings of a season be robbed by the stress of a season. It was stressful to be at Cracker Barrel. We typically do Saturday mornings at home. Uh, we had a wedding yesterday afternoon, so neither Aaron or I really wanted to deal with cleaning up the kitchen. So we made the decision to go out. Um, and there's a lot of different um, times where we encounter toddlerhood like that. Um, but there's so many good things in this season, too. Um, you know, I feel like the months of August and September for us have been like running a sprint. They say life is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, but we've been running a sprint for the last few months. And I think that it can be easy for us to think about um, how busy we've been. And I'm sure that that's something that a lot of us can relate to, whether you have kids in sports, uh, whether you're a grandparent and you're trying to track down all of your grandkids' activities. Uh, maybe it's in your own personal life. Work is crazy. I know that's my story right now. Work is crazy. We're crazy understaffed. And that can make me want to focus on some of the negativity and how tired I am. Um, but there's a song that Aaron and I like to listen to, and the lyrics say, there's a cup of joy for every taste of sorrow. And maybe it's not deep sorrow, because sorrow can be a pretty strong word, but we encounter things in our days that make us sad, um, things that stress us out. Um, but I think we have to be looking for those blessings um, if we don't want to miss them. I think we have to be intentional about slowing down. I think we have to be intentional about looking about the good things in the season or we'll miss out um, on what God's giving us. And so I think it's easy, um, again, just to um, overlook a lot of things when you think and look in the big picture. I know that Aaron's really good at focusing in on just the day-to-day. Um, he can separate things a lot easier than I can. I know he talked about the book um, that men's brains are waffles and women have spaghetti brains. Um, 
it's a lot easier for him to compartmentalize just different things going on at work, or I know he deals a lot just being um, a pastor in the role that he's in. He sees just the hardships that some individuals are going through. He's really good at separating that and not bringing that home, whereas I can have a really bad day at work, and it comes home right with me, and I have to choose to check it at the door. Um, I have to choose to look at my toddler who's greeting me at the door and decide that I'm going to put the day away, and we're going to start fresh, even though it's 5 p.m. or 5.30 p.m., and I'm kind of ready to go to bed, and it's only 5.30. Um, And that doesn't diminish the fact that there are stresses in our lives. Um, I think we have to address those things, too. You know, Aaron and I have to be intentional about having conversations with one another um, to eliminate some of that stress. Uh, We share a calendar now. It's been a huge help. Would recommend. As long as you put things in it. (laughs) Shade. I have to put things in it, too. I've been guilty as well, but my favorite is when Aaron's like, oh, yeah, I have a board meeting at 6 on Monday. I'm like, is it in the calendar? He's like, yeah, it is. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, But, again, I just want to stress, don't let the blessings of a season be robbed by the stress of a season. Um, Because I think that each season that we've encountered so far, I think that Aaron would agree, um, we wouldn't choose to go backwards and re-encounter any season. We want to continue to look forward um, and see the blessings that God has anew for us in each season. Um, But I also know that there's been times that I look back with a little bit of regret that I didn't choose to savor some of those moments. Our newlywed phase was really short, maybe two weeks, or maybe you want to count it until Gideon was born, so you maybe give us a year and a half. Um, But there are things that I wish that we had taken advantage of in that time. Um, maybe a little differently. And so I want to continue to move forward, and I know we can both want to feel that way, that we want to continue to move forward and making space to focus on the blessings of a season rather than than staying stuck um, in our ruts. Um, So just to close it out, Psalms 37.5 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And all these things we're talking about, different commitments we can make, to fight for each other, to fight for your marriage, to fight for joy, to fight for your families. Um, If you commit yourself to the way of the Lord and trust in him, he will act. And Aaron and I both truly believe that with all of our heart. Um, If we don't choose to commit to Jesus and make that the center of our marriage and our household, and there have been times that we don't do a great job of that, we tend to find that the chaos is abounding. Um, And so commit yourself to the way of the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Absolutely. I'm going to invite the band up, and uh, they're going to close this out with a song. And uh, we're going to do communion at the end, and we, we intentionally chose to do that. One of my favorite things um, at a wedding, like I said, is, is when we do the vows. And uh, I love the vows because the vows truly are just a promise. They're a commitment. They're the verbalization of, of what you promise uh, one another. And so what I want to do right now is I'm going to ask us all to go ahead and stand. And, uh, and I want to read. Uh, we're going to come down here because we're going to set up communion in just a minute. And... Uh, You know, one of the beauties of communion is communion truly was a a promise, a commitment, a vow to Christ that that because of his sacrifice on the cross, because the shedding of his blood, because the breaking of his body, that we could have new life. We could have relationship with him. Uh, We could spend eternity with him if we would choose to commit our lives to him. And so this morning as we take communion, would we be reminded, in, in some ways would we be renewing the vows that we have to Christ. But I want to read this morning just kind of some vows that are traditional that that maybe you want to grab. Uh, If you're standing with your spouse, you can do that. Maybe if you want to just commit this as a family too, that these vows you could make 
personal uh, in your family and in your marriage. And so here, here are the vows. I promise before you, my God, to love, honor, comfort, and cherish them. My, my spouse, my children, my family. To remain faithful only to them as long as we live. To have and to hold them from this day forward. For better or for worse. For, for richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. To laugh and to cry till death do us part. I promise you my love. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you just for the promises that we find in Scripture. God, we find that you are constantly making promises to us. God, regardless of our faithfulness, that God, your love for us is not found in, in feelings or emotions, in, in looks or, or, or how we act, but it is found truly just in your love and your faithfulness. God, I pray that our marriages and our families would be marked by that same love. God, I pray that we could start afresh in our relationships. God, that maybe this morning some of us need to have a restart in our marriages. Some of us this morning we need to have a restart in our, in our families. God, in, our, in, in just all the relationships that matter most. Maybe even just in our own relationship with you. God, I pray that we would be reminded that, God, you are a God of many, many chances. So, God, would we commit our ways to you? God, would we choose to love and forgive? Would we choose to communicate in grace and truth? God, this morning as we come to the table... God, I pray that we would all realize that, God, no matter where we come from, God, even if South Creek is in our church home, that if we call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, that we are invited to the table to drink of the cup, to take of the bread, and be reminded of the promises of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you are good, that you love us, that you are faithful, that you are forgiving and gracious, God. And, God, that we would recommit ourselves this morning to you. God, we love you, and we're thankful, thankful for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may come to the table and grab the bread and the juice. They'll have two cups. Please come.